0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Faith Family Freedom Podcast. Today is a special day because I get to interview a guest, and I have never done that before, so this is going to be fun. With me today is Charlie Ross. Hey Charlie, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well,
1: Sean. How you doing tonight? I'm
0: doing really good. I took a nap before this because I thought I was going to fall asleep. (laughs) <laughs> you're lucky. Well,
1: I, I didn't get up at like 3.30 like you did today. Well, yeah, uh, I'm true. on vacation, so I'm doing good.
0: Good, good. I'm so glad you're out there. I got some there. sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that. the first time you called me and you're like, hey, man, we got to push this off because I ain't getting uh, Yeah, sleep. I was
1: packing up, getting ready to go, and I got about four hours to sleep, so I had to slide right. To the next day, and I, I'm glad I could accommodate that, and you could accommodate me. I appreciate it. Oh,
0: I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, i elated <laughs> to have this interview. So it was worth waiting. Jeez, for. <laughs>
1: come on, man. Aim higher than me.
0: <laughs> oh, so, um, the reason why I wanted to interview you was because you were in the service for a very long time, and you're a man of faith. And twenty six years, yes. I thought it would be a super good uh, discussion to talk about how those two. Work together in your life, and so, yeah. what I'm going to start out with is asking you: Is what did you do in the service? For how long did you do it for?
1: Uh, I, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but I signed up in the military originally to get hired on at an aircraft company in the Northwest. It's like an aviation experience to get paid to do it mm-hmm. because I didn't go to college. My dad wanted me to get my business degree, and I didn't want to work for my dad. So I may not learn my lesson, but I always I will learn it the hard way, guaranteed. So I went a different route and uh, went in the military. I was in the reserves. Uh, went in. The reason why I went in the reserves because I wasn't sure if I could handle full-time. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, uh, reserves worked well, and uh, I got my training that I needed to get to work at the aircraft company, and uh, ended up putting in 26 years of service. It's uh, a
0: good, good and, amount of time. and got hired
1: on at the aircraft company, so it was all good. So everything worked out in the best man. So well, God has a plan. Yeah, <laughs> amen, we may not always know what it is, but. That was my that was my route, and I followed it.
0: It's not always your plan either, right? <clears throat> no, heavens, no. So you worked on an MH forty seven Chinook, correct?
1: No, CH CH MH was yeah. Uh, MH is one sixtieth special ops group. Okay. Uh, CH forty seven D models were uh, army active, army and reserve, and national guard.
0: Okay. And what was uh, what was your task? What was your I was a. Uh, I started
1: out uh, first three years. I was a mechanic mm-hmm. and worked, uh, did uh, maintenance, phase maintenance, uh, special inspections, things like that. Uh, and then uh, after three years, I, since I showed up, did my job every day and did it right, didn't complain. Uh, they asked me to go to flight platoon and be a crew chief, or they asked me to, and I said you're going to pay me to go fly on these things and they said yep if you want to and i was like "Uh, that's no brainer
0: who wouldn't want to go
1: flying for a living you know yeah well you know here's the thing the place where i'm working now and and uh the military the military was my hobby and the place where i'm working now is my career so that's kind of how i viewed it
0: you know when i was a kid i always had like a love for aircraft and airplanes and um I didn't have the option to go into the military. I, um, I kind of tried to go into the Marines. I went into the recruiter's office and they asked me some questions. And I was like, 18 or 19 at the time, and they asked me, Uh "Well, what kind of drugs have you done?" Because I was worried about that. Because I told them, you know, "Hey, look, I I have done some drugs. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in, you know." And they're like, "Well, what have you done?" I was like, "Well, I smoked some weed." And like, well, that's no big deal. Anything else? Like, well, I did some acid. And they're like, well, you can't, you're not, yeah, you're not going to make it. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're real strict on that stuff. And yeah. It's like, they asked me the same thing. I said, yeah, I, <laughs> I tried pot one time on uh, my senior, well, when I graduated. And I sat in a chair for like four hours. And mm-hmm. They said, uh, my buddy <laughs> said, uh, what, uh, are you okay? And all I could do is raise my eyelids. And yeah. I mean, that was 40 years ago for Crying out loud! I know, and so it's like I don't even know what the stuff is like today. But fear not, I will not be trying it.
0: That's good. Probably best not to. It'll probably just no. put you Heck. in a deep sleep forever.
1: Yes, don't want
0: to do that. So, your experience in the in the military—did you ever go into active duty?
1: Well, yeah, when you when you sign up, you automatically go into. Uh, basic training, and that, that everybody who is National Guard and Reserve and uh, active duty people that are going to you know, go to it for or go to it for a job, everybody goes the same place, and we're all in there together. Mm-hmm. And then we all go to school together. So that's active duty. And then uh, the difference between it after we're done with our advanced individual training is that the guys who are active they go to their duty station, and the guys are reserve or national guard go home, Mm -hmm. and then they do the weekend, the two weekends a month, or two weekends a year, or not two weekends, but two weeks a year, uh, for, I don't know, they're obligated for like six years, and then they got two years of inactive, so you got eight years that you owe them. Mm -hmm. But if you're flight crew, you go like every other weekend, and. Any mission that comes up, they call you up for like firefighting, Mount Rainier rescue missions, oh, that's uh, flood cool. relief, Coast Guard resupply stuff. So it's like everybody goes, "Oh, it's just uh, one weekend a month." I said, "Yeah, for people who don't fly." <laughs> yeah. So no, I, like, were... I really enjoyed it. It was it's a good thing to you know to give back to the uh, community and in the the community response that we got from. You know, like the flood relief people. we I fought forest fires uh, down in California. Uh, so that's the
0: dumping in. water?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. 2,000 gallons. It weighs 16,000 16, pounds on a 100-foot long line. And it's like uh, when you're up there flying that stuff, it's like a mix master inside of the helicopter because the buck is trying to pull you down. Right. The helicopter's trying to pull you up, the
0: heat, the smoke. And water's yeah. not stable as it is so no
1: it's just yeah it, it was I, I don't even know how we stay up there but it, it was it was an awesome experience and, it was, and I was happy to help do that flight controls buddy all on the flight. yeah controls. exactly you know the pilots are up there <laughs> flying it uh. pray to God that they know they're doing the right stuff and they are I mean we're professionals everybody goes oh you're weekend warriors you guys don't do the real stuff and it's like uh uh-huh. What? Yeah, right. What? Yeah, we filed paperwork and peeled potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do.
0: So you were able to stay out of the Iraq conflict, or did you
1: end up— No, I was there in right? We were the first guys up in. and uh, Yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't I was in Desert Storm mm-hmm. back in 91, 1991, but I was in uh, Iraq in 2003. We were the first guys up in. and uh, We were supposed to be there six months. We ended up being there 14.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a pretty drawn-out war, wasn't it?
1: Well, yeah, you know, in being being as ignorant as I was, I thought we were going to be there for, like, a humanitarian mission because in Desert Storm, it was a 100-hour war. And Iraq, well, it's still going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I was the first one up in where the expeditionary force that went in, and it was it was like the wild west i can tell you that much it was crazy up there crazy going in crazy being a part of that you know being a part of history
0: so tell me i have a question for you here is what is a hooker
1: okay so <laughs> i know it, it, that's funny because a lot of people just go you're a what yeah <laughs> i'm like well um i'm a chinook guy and they go well what is a chinook guy and a hooker i mean how does that relate well we have three uh, cargo hooks underneath our helicopter, and our main function is to do resupply for fire bases and uh, forward operating bases and stuff like that. And what we do is uh, all the car, most of the cargo. I mean, we have a lot of internal cargo, but most of the cargo is in carbonets. They've got like 25 uh, foot slings underneath or-, or attached to the carbonets. And then we fly over the top, and then we have a ground crew that hook, does the hookups on the hooks. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we come down, like, to within five feet of the load. And then the guys, the rigging crew on the, that's underneath of us, they reach up and hook on the hooks. You know, all three hooks or two hooks or one, whatever our load is. And then we come up till the slings come tight, and then they come tight, and we go up 10 feet and take off. And so the slang term for hookers or for Chinook guys is hookers. And when uh, you tell people, oh, yeah, I'm a hooker, and they're like, they're looking at me like going, um, you're probably, why are you heavy? Because you should be starving. <laughs> 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 no, but, that, but that's, <laughs> you know, that's the deal. It's like, uh, yeah. Chinook guys are hookers, and that, that's just slang for Chinook, for Chinook crews.
0: Yeah. So you did a podcast a few years back called Hooker Nation, and I ended up picking up season two of that and thought that was an awesome uh, podcast, because you guys talk about your jobs a lot, and it really brings up a lot of clarity into what your job is, your difficulties on the job, and and also you get to talk to veterans who have come back and done something with afterwards, after, after they're done with the service, and... So I went and visited with that guy who did the bottle cap flags. The oh, yeah, uh,
1: Handicap and yeah, and Crozier, yeah. yeah. I thought that was,
0: that was awesome. Um, so it's good to see you guys promoting that uh, veteran-owned companies is, is the way to go. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, <clears throat> what you guys did there probably, and I don't know if it was before a lot of those name brand companies that started coming out, but I definitely see a. I, I saw a, a thick trend of that stuff coming out afterwards. And so yeah. it's good to see you guys pioneering that for those people because um, people need a purpose after the after the fight, you know. And,
1: I know, man. It, that was a tough thing for me. Yeah. I mean, that was such a transition was, um, you know, and when you're over there, everything matters. When you come back here, it's – there's – not much in your life back here that's life and death right and the transition for me was um, well there was there was two transitions one was when I got back I retired because I was just shoot I was like 49 years old and and uh, it was gosh back on uh, December what was it December 22nd 2010 I was at 11,000 feet going through the KG Pass, on and it was minus 20, and my legs are frozen, my feet were frozen, my arms <laughs> are frozen. I had ice icicles hanging off the my face mask oh, on man. my helmet, and I was sitting there and I was like, "Is that the Kevlar like that.
0: mask that you're wearing? Like the yeah?" And Go I was ahead.
1: just like, "Yeah, exactly. You know, because your your condensation from your breath, you know, right. goes right under the mask and that." But anyway, that ice was hanging off then. Of that. I was like going, "I'm not having any fun anymore." <laughs> I like, I'm going to retire when I get back. Because heck, I was, like I said, I was 48 years old. So I've never been in negative uh,
0: 20 degrees. That would—that's unreal. Yeah.
1: The pilots are the pilots up in the cockpit are like, Ah, we're gonna turn the heat down, it's too hot up here. <laughs> it was horrible. You guys want me to open? Yeah, the I was like, oh, you? you know what? I'm gonna put you in a headlock when we get back down and give you a Dutch rub.
0: How about I just open this back door and cool things off? Yeah, for
1: you guys? Yes. jump, jump, walk to the light, <laughs> walk to the light.
0: Oh, that's funny. Um, so being born into Christianity, did you have any moments in your life where, um, God really spoke to you and transformed you, or was it just kind of like a gradual growing into Christ kind of life?
1: Well, you know, um, people, everybody has a journey. And I tell you what, and, and I truly believe this, and that is I think I was born with Christ. I mean, I think I was born with Christ in my body because I never... You know, people say, oh, well, you're just indoctrinated into it or you were raised that way or people told you. But
0: mm-hmm. I'll
1: tell you what, through all the – I've had some trials and tribulations in my life and a lot of um, – oh, gosh, I'm just going to say uh, life experiences. And I don't – and through all that, through all the things that have happened to me, negative and positive, I've always – I've never – doubted that God existed I've always known that God loves me and but you tell other people that you know, like people who believe and people who are non-believers and uh, they just go well that's just how you're raised but honestly in my heart hmm I think I was born with it and I really truly believe that
0: that's awesome cuz that's probably the first time I've heard somebody say that because um, most of the people uh, that i know are either what you'd call born again or raised through nepotism in in the in the faith and so for me it was like i had to really come to a huge fall in order to come to christ in order to realize that i needed god in my life every single day right for my existence to to be to exist really I
1: mean. Well, what kind of struggles do you have to go through? Well, I I had, mean, I'm just curious because we've never really talked about this.
0: Well, my my struggles were uh, I went through, um, you know, I I was raised up in the foster system as a kid. My mom put me and my brother up for adoption at a very early uh-huh. age, and so uh, up until I was 18, I really, um, I really just lived in and out of the system. Um, wow. And so, I had no idea. Oh yeah, man! This is a this is a long story. We could take the whole episode up talking about this. You're gonna well, have to, you. You might want to listen to episode one. <laughs> right on. Because I that, will. That is the uh, kickoff, and that tells everything about me from where, to where oh. I am now. But It's, right called, on. it's called who Good I am word. and how I got here, and um, but the the long short of it is, I I struggled with drugs. I struggled. I struggled with pornography. I struggled with just. Uh, All the sins that man has before it comes to Christ, you know. And my brother died when in 2011 when I got hired on at the big airplane factory. And that was the only thing. The fact that I had a a job and a purpose was one of the driving factors for me getting through that. You know, my brother, uh, he died from a heroin overdose.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah, and,
0: and I mean, we, we knew each other really well up until about the age of, like, 16 and 17. And then when uh-huh. that took over his life, we just grew apart. And he would come around every once in a while trying to get me to help him with drugs and stuff. And I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't let him be around my family. I couldn't risk the safety of my family, you know. Right. And it was just one of those things where in your heart you feel like i should have been a better brother but you have to put your family first in a situation like that you know when there's nothing else you can do for him that's when you know you kind of feel you're kind of stuck with helplessness there you know it's not- yeah
1: it's it's a hard place to be in because when you have compassion and understanding in your heart that you you know you know he's got a problem mm-hmm. and you have to make a choice you know, what do you do? You got your family in one hand and you got your brother in the other hand and they're both hanging over a cliff. Who do you let go of? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then it's, it's tough. It is it's tough. Really tough. And my first marriage was a failure. I, I uh, cheated on my first wife. I was a very bad father. I was absent. Um, I've only just in the last probably six years really repaired the relationship with my daughter. Uh, we talk very frequently now, and she, I'm, I'm just so proud of her. I'm proud of the fact that she um, is doing life so well right now. She's not walking with Christ, but she's in a far better headspace than she was six years ago. I'm in a far better headspace than I was my whole life. So my hope for her is that someday she'll see and see the transformation that God has made inside me and see the benefit of that. And that will call her to Christ. And that's my, that's my ultimate life goal is to see my daughter, you know, come to Christ.
1: Well, and you know, and that'll happen because you planted the seeds and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you have to lead by example. And, and, uh, everybody goes, well, I don't know what else to do. Well, you pray, right? And praying is the best thing you can do for somebody. Even, even though we may not see results, you know, immediately, because it's always in God's time, and we're just like, oh, really? Absolutely.
0: I, I <laughs> Like, are I, you
1: kidding me? Come I on, totally man, where are you at? That.
0: I totally, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I totally get that, because and I also feel like there's a certain sense of, like, uh, maturity that has to come about her in order to understand her, her, her responsibilities to herself. Well, that,
1: and she's just got to get the enemy away from her. Yeah. The more she gets the enemy away from her, the more, the more dark you get out, the more light comes in, because light drives darkness out. Absolutely. And, yeah.
0: Uh, so, um, when you're in the service and you're in Iraq, um, did you have moral challenges in the service? Like, uh, the lifestyle of being in the service, being around your other um, fellow uh, soldiers and you know kind of like the win and when in rome you know kind of
1: uh, no lifestyle. you know no not really because um we were all uh squared away yeah there was like there was dark humor mm-hmm. i mean you have to figure out a way to get through the stuff you get through and right. there was like dark humor and um oh gosh man i wasn't expecting that question but uh. <laughs> that, that's a good one. It makes me think. Right. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think of the stuff that we thought of. I mean, we a lot of times we would try to make light of situations that we were in mm-hmm. and probably was inappropriate. Sure. Some of the things that we said or thought or, you know, laughed about, but I think that was just a way of getting through stuff. Um, and there was a lot of times where we – you know, at, oh, man, this is really deep. Uh, I got to get through it. Um, we would come back from a mission, and I would get everybody to the back of the ramp. You know, we'd have an after-action brief. Mm-hmm. What we did good, what we did bad, what we could do better. And I would always, if I didn't lead on the mission with a prayer, we'd always end with a prayer when I was on, on board with aircraft awesome. I was flying and, Whatever crew I was flying with, and and I cannot tell you how many times we thank God for letting us fight another day. But I always led that, and everybody was, you know, thankful that I would that I could stand up and do that.
0: Oh yeah, I would definitely be thankful for that. Um, even if I, you know, even coming from a non-believer point of view, um, I would be happy that somebody's thinking about us that way as a group
1: you know yeah um, well we were in some pretty tough spots and you know iraq and afghanistan was even worse but if you can imagine that but um uh we were flying one day and uh on a chinook and and uh, i was chalk two chalk one was the lead ship chalk two's the second ship behind and uh we were Ordered to, if there was any enemy uh, equipment or enemy enemy ammo dumps or anything like that or enemy combat combatants, we were to you know fire on them and, or fire on the equipment or blow the ammo dumps up. But we went out one day and and uh, we're flying along and shock one was ahead of us about a half a mile and we we're uh, we flew past where they flew back. Past and, uh, the right door gunner says, uh, Hey, I got a missile cache two o'clock low, and I'm on the ramp down and I'm looking down at it, and I said, I look left, I look right. You had a what? The brief, the brief was um, we had to be the last ship, we had to be 300 meters away from it, uh-huh. heading away at 120 knots or better. So we're at 130 knots. Left door gunner, or excuse me, the right door gunner says, Miss- Missile, <sighs> sorry missile cache, oh, okay. 2 o'clock low. And I looked left, looked right, and we're about 300 meters as we've passed it. And I started firing about 9 rounds into it and blew the whole thing up. Chalk 1 thought we got blown up. And they go, Chalk 2, Chalk 2, you guys okay back there? And, I, and the pilot says, yeah, Ross just blew up an ammo dump, <laughs> And they go, God, we thought you guys were gone. We thought somebody blew you guys up. you know, And we, got, we landed. Back at our base in Bawat, Iraq, and and Brett Ottenis, he just come running. I was shutting the aircraft down and, on the outside, and because mm-hmm. and, uh, so I got to be out there with the fire extinguisher and stuff, and the pilots are actually doing the physical shutdown of it, but I'm out there watching. And, sure. And uh, he Brett comes up to me, and he just goes. I thought you guys were, yeah, he was crying. I was like, dude, chill <laughs> out, man. It's good. Oh, man. We're all good. Um, you know, and so we had a big prayer after that. And it was just like, I did, I loved leading prayer. It was good. That's awesome, man. It was awesome.
0: Prayer's a very, um, it's a, such an important tool in your everyday life.
1: Well, uh, it's if, like people say they don't know what to do. The best thing you can do is pray. That's right. a fact.
0: And even if you don't know what to pray about, God knows your heart, right? So just. Yeah, just mumble,
1: knock you know. it out the best <laughs> you can. Knock it out. If you do nothing, nothing happens. If you pray, everything happens. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Um, yeah. So when you were working in the in your uh, crew, um, did you have any missions or challenges that really stood out to the day that you were really proud of?
1: Yeah, you know, um, we we're in Iraq. And we're flying. We we're flying south. We picked up a bunch of uh, troops, and we we're heading south to. Ah, uh, Kuwait, and uh, they're going to be leaving on R and R, and I'm on the tail gun, and I'm sitting there, and we're on that open desert, so there wasn't any real threat of enemy activity. So, you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm just kind of looking out over the Iraq desert, and we are uh, land. We have lanyard under our survival vest, so we're clipped into the floor, so it don't fall out the back. That'd be a bad thing. Right. So all of a sudden I get this tug on my lanyard and I turn around and look and here's this guy yelling at me. He goes, "I ha- there's a guy passed out in here and there's a guy passed out. So I get up and I or get on the intercom. I said, ramp gun's coming inside. Uh, there's the pass- passenger's passed out. I'm gonna go administer uh, uh, first aid or do, see, see what's going on. So I go over there and there's a E, seven and an e6 there's this e5 that's passed out i mean who is unconscious uh-huh. i might like, passed out but he's unconscious
0: are you in flight right and now he, or are you on ground
1: yeah we're flying okay. we're flying and and the the guy's having a, a heat stroke and i'm like Ooh. oh nice so i get on the radio or i get on the intercom i said hey we got a 25 year old uh uh, african-american soldier here i said he is he's got a uh, heat stroke he's unconscious shallow breathing rapid pulse i said i can't get an IV in him um i said i need uh left gun i need to start passing back bottles of water because we're going to pour water on him and mm-hmm. get his core temperature cool. down i said i need left i said i need the co-pilot i said you find a, a base as, as soon as you can or, you know, the closest base, you know, make a call for uh, a call on the blind for any base that's available to receive a heat casualty. And I said, I said, we got about 10 minutes left. This guy's not going to make it. I said, so make it happen, you know. So they start passing the water down. I told the E7, I said, you you to his shirt, undo his belt. I told the other guy, I said, undo his you know, his right leg, take his boot, not his right leg, but his right pant, mm-hmm. blouse off, uh, take his boot off, and I said, I'm going to do the, the left boot, and then blouse his pants on that side. I said, we're going to start pouring water on him, we're going to start massaging him and getting his uh, circulation going and start cooling this guy it down. Just the
0: Barry like, White music.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I mean there's urgency there, and it was just like, we're getting it done, and and uh, they called out. They found a base like eight minutes away, and, and I said, "You tell them to have two ambulances out there because you know if one breaks down. You, you want the other one to dig it." Right. And uh, and so we got him there without delay, and, and we landed. and I picked him up. I just carried him in my arms and ran him out the back and put him on the stretcher. And you know that was. I, I just told the guys. I said, told him, 25 uh, year old male. Uh, heat stroke. We have tried to cool his core temperature down. Shallow breathing. You know, as we're and we're moving. We're not just standing there, talking.
0: Right, you're moving. We're moving
1: you're... towards the ambulance. I'm just giving them the information, and then when I got all done, and I just turned around and walked back to the helicopter. We took off and continued on with the mission.
0: And were you on an American yeah, that... base when you landed?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was an American port op- operating base in you know in the southern Iraq. So. Um, we got back on a continued mission, and uh, unbeknownst to me, the pilot in command, he put in uh, put me in for an air medal for doing that. When they called me up front a couple months later for that, I was just like, I was just doing my job, man. I wasn't looking for that. But that was the, the, the sacrifice. But yeah, I saved kid's you know. life. All right. Uh, I lost my I lost my son in a car wreck. Oh man! When he was 21. Oh, that's terrible.
0: I didn't know that. You never told me. Yeah, I know.
1: know Not many people do. Yeah. Um, we. It was talk about a challenge of faith. Yeah. I mean, I was good. My wife really hit. She abandoned. She just said, "What kind of God would take my son for me?" And I was like, "I don't have that answer."
0: That's, uh, man, that's,
1: but, so yeah, that's a but, really
0: tough one to get through is why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, why do bad things happen to good people?
1: Yeah. And I don't know. And I don't question it,
0: but, and it's not but, for us to question, you know, it's just, well, it's to bring the glory to God if, and somehow that works out, you know?
1: Yeah. And I don't, I still don't know that part of the puzzle, but <laughs> I don't question it either. Yeah, it's anyway, saving this questions. kid's, yeah, saving this kid's life meant everything to me to do that. And so as far as something that really stood out, that was, that was the only thing that really stood out for me as far as making a difference in a, because of the ripple effect. Because if that kid would have not made it, his wife and kids and mom and dad and aunts, I mean, everybody's just affected by it. And, And to be able to do that, make that happen. That was the most, that was the best thing that I ever did.
0: It's awesome.
1: That's totally in Iraq. Awesome. In that in that arena. Yeah.
0: You know, God
1: puts us I know the pain. I know the pain of the other side of that. It's yeah. Horrific.
0: God puts us in the places that he wants us, right? Well, and here's the
1: thing. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was in I, I had I was divorced when I went to Afghanistan. My wife and I had gotten divorced mm-hmm. before and I was at Thanksgiving with my brother and his family and we're sitting at the table yeah and, and it was the divorce was hard for me but um, it, it 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 had to be that way mm-hmm. so I'm sitting there at the Thanksgiving table before I went to Afghanistan and he said, "Well, everybody, I want everybody to be thankful, or tell them what they're thankful for on Thanksgiving." And so I went around the table, and my niece said, "Oh, I'm thankful because I got a wonderful family, and I'm, I'm so blessed." And then my next niece said just about the same thing, and it went all the way around the table. And I got, and it comes to me, and I'm like, "Going, man, I just got divorced." I'm going, back. "Yeah." Afghanistan. the I was like, "God, tell me what." What do I got here? Right. What a, you know, and, it's, and I'm sweating it, man. I'm just like nervous, and I'm like, "Holy mackerel!" Here I am, just sitting here going. Everybody's got all this, you know, positive things, and I'm just grasping for and, something. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm just, don't be a me a here? And it got to me, and I said, "God, I am so thankful that you put the people around me that I need at the exact moment in time, at the exact place I need to be." And I just appreciate you and count all my blessings. In Jesus' name, I pray, man. And I don't know what and everybody's just like looking at me going, whoa,
0: <laughs> that's profound. Right.
1: <laughs> but I was sweating. I mean, I didn't have that until he gave it to me. And it was just, it was an awesome thing. It
0: was from your heart, you know. It was. It was. From Absolutely. your heart. Um, so, you know, being a believer, do you think that there's an advantage to having that with you in a time of war and being overseas that, um, God keeps you in check. And, and do you notice this with, uh, like other believers that you served with that they tend to have, have a better outlook on what's going on?
1: Well, yeah, I do. And also, um, not, you know, you talk about believers and also non-believers because non-believers, they, they just, you know, they aren't around the people that they aren't around positive people or, People that don't believe, mm-hmm. and when they see you and you stand up and you say, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer," well, yeah, they go and they stand up and say, "Well, I'm an atheist." And I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm going to plant seeds in you, and you, maybe that'll make you believe."
0: Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, and uh, being around believers, being positive, being. Um, You know, saying prayers before, you know, we have a a pre-mission brief and uh, then an after-action brief. And either praying before or after or both. And standing up and just doing it and feeling good about it. Plant seeds that we don't even know. and You know, set paths for people that we don't even know we're setting paths for. They just lead by example. That
0: is such a good... Thing to think about because I've always wondered, like, like I haven't always done things good intentionally. Maybe I've done something without knowing it. You know what I mean? And I've always wondered, like, will I be, will I, when I talk to God, well will I, I'm gonna ask that. I'm like, what do I not know that I did? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm just curious. You know because I have no idea what I've accomplished for the Lord. Because the things that you do accomplish for the Lord are done without, without your own um, reward. You know what I mean,
1: right? So, oh yeah, yeah. So
0: it's like you're not looking, you're not thinking about it when you're doing it. You're just doing it because it's what your heart called you to
1: do. Well, I, you know, Sean, that's one thing that 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 you can put a finger on is doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, you might reach one person. You might reach. 10,000 people but you're reaching you're planting seeds and you know let's say you're, you reach two and then they they go to two people and then they, you know then you got they got four I mean it's just this uh, compounding uh, of people mm-hmm. that will go out and spread the word you know what I was and,
0: thinking about doing I was thinking about because this is categories under um, Christianity uh-huh. I was thinking about recategorizing it their atheism or something like that, you know?
1: Doing what now?
0: <laughs> recategorizing the podcast so it's in an atheist group so that they get to listen to it too. And then so I get to plant seeds in them as well.
1: Well, you can harvest as many as you want. <laughs> right.
0: Or just put it, move it around, maybe broaden the thing because in, in some sense, I feel like sometimes only believers would want to listen to it. Right.
1: But. Because... Not necessarily. It's not necessarily true because there's people who are searching.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Very good, very good point.
1: Yeah, there are people. You know, there's, there's, you know, usually what I have found, and and this is just my own observation is, most people that I've found that are atheists have had trauma of some sort or another, mm-hmm. and they blame God for it. Right. But how? If you're an atheist. How can you, you blame God? God? How does God do that?
0: Right. They're looking, and they know. I know. I feel like I think it, our DNA makes us search for, um, for God. I think that um, it, that seeds planted in a, in a birth moment, it. and the fact that we're—I don't know—I I can't remember a time where I wasn't looking for a way. Or someone bigger than me, with a bigger purpose than me, or someone who was going to rescue me from my life. Um, and it might be because of how I grew up and what I grew up in, but I don't ever remember there not being—I don't ever there—I don't ever remember there not being a God. I just did not follow God. You know, I—I I always had God in the back places of my mind, but I never was. Convicted enough to follow, you know what I mean, until later in life. So I feel, I think everybody has to know that there's a God. They just choose well, otherwise.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that it's, um, you know, I've heard. Well, you know, uh, I have. I believe in a higher power. Right. Well, I believe in Buddha. Well, I believe in all of Well, I believe. Well. I don't care what you name it, it's God. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's my belief. Now, that, you know, right. other people might dispute that, but.
0: No, they'll say, no, it's, 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 it's better it's than this God that. It's this
1: or that, it's this or that. I don't care what you name it. God is real. God is in our life. God is around us. God made us. Exactly. God made everything for us. Right. And, and he wants our, the best for us.
0: He's the only living God there is, so. There yeah. you go. <laughs> it's, it's, all you, it's all you need to know back um so in this world today which is pretty far separated from how how it was 20 years ago where law enforcement military national guard are being demonized and politicians that are supposed to be fully supporting these branches aren't how does this make service members feel uh in in the changing times
1: well i can tell you what it's um it's tough it's tough but you know what when we take the oath Mm -hmm. we sign on it's you know it's for it's for life and it's for god and it's for our country and it and it boils down to each other
0: yeah
1: and you know it's like everybody goes why did you go to afghanistan why did you go to iraq i said "Or, or should we be there and i'm like doesn't matter if we should be there. The Matter is we are there, and I have to be there for the guy to my right of me and the gal to my left of me. I got to be there and uh, do my job to the best of my abilities. And the way the, the way it's changed and over the years, uh, you can change all you want around it, but the bottom line is you're there. Whatever we're doing, we're doing. We're protecting our brothers and sisters, our assets and uh, uh, trying to protect the people back here, uh, regardless of race, religion, uh, party, uh, whatever. We're here to fight. We're over there to fight for America. We're over there to get rid of the threat over there so the threat isn't here. And it never made no difference to me about... Who you were? If, if you're in America, I'm fighting for you. And I, and I, did that the second time when I went to Afghanistan. I had my retirement letter, and I re-upped to go. I didn't have to go, and I re-upped to go because that's how much I believe in it. Yeah. I, my dad was furious with me. He goes, "You got your retirement letter and you extended for a year, so you go to Afghanistan." He goes, "What's wrong with me?" And I said, "Well." I said it's the way you raised me with God, honor, integrity, and uh, love for the fellow man. I, mean, I said that's just the way it is. And and I said don't like be mad at me. To be you're there the one for that raised me,
0: fellow man. You know.
1: That's right. Because... You know, if if you aren't doing it, guess what? You got yeah. the best guy you can possibly want to go. I, I will do it. And you would be the guy I that I would want
0: there too. I
1: mean. It... <laughs> yeah, I was I was old, but I was good. <laughs> <laughs> oldie but goodie you got your money's worth of that <laughs>
0: oh man so we're gonna fast forward 26 years and now you're at the big flying machine factory um, yes so
1: remember when we met right we uh yes i do i was a customer coordinator for uh seventy seven. yes
0: yep. and i was working over in position zero and, uh, you were our customer coordinator. You were the guy that held up all of our
1: jobs and. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, no, that was the other guys I worked with. I tried to get. Oh yeah. The customer. Best
0: week. Yeah. 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 I'm just razzing you there. Um,
1: yeah, no, I got it.
0: Uh, so we had like a, we were, we didn't see eye to eye when we first met. We were pretty much, I mean, we were okay with each other until that one day. And then we, we had to really sort some things out and we did. Right. So, um, so what happened was we had this customer closeout going on, and basically it's just closing up a section of the aircraft. But you have to come and inspect it before inspector looks at it, right?
1: No, inspect, inspection looks at it first, and then uh, they put it up for customer, and then I then I come down and look at it with live either live customer lets me buy it off or um, live customer will go down and look at it with me.
0: That's right, because he has a time that he has to respond
1: to it before. Yeah, he's got 30 minutes to, or else yeah. he'll set me. Right. And I'm good. I'm good at my job. You are so good at your job. Like...
0: You found a, a hairline scratch in one of the panels, and it was, I mean, it was a legitimate markup. Um, and so it was taped up, and it was sent back to customer as a, as a write-up, as a, a NC. Is that what they still call those? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, no, conform it. Yeah.
0: So the next morning, right? Because I had a, I had a real huge problem with it that day, uh, when it was written up, because I felt like it was going to commit me to rework that was going to hold the, the uh, closure twenty four hours. Um, so I, I I lost my cool a little bit, and I didn't feel like it wanted to be. I didn't feel like I wanted it to be written up because, because of the commitment to the rework that it needed to have when i felt it was an acceptable condition um and that was where the dispute lied so the next morning you came to a meeting and you said i'm only here trying to help you guys out and i was like yeah why are you doing this and yeah well,
1: you probably don't want to say what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> but i i don't care it's yeah
0: Well, you know, i can't even remember the words that i used oh i do I, oh well,
1: I <laughs> <laughs> you're furious you act like i just i don't know what it was funny i mean it wasn't funny i was just like oh man this guy's struggling today <laughs> but i'm cool i'll let him get through it
0: yeah i uh i mean i <laughs> I, I was, you know, and, and man, that was the time in my life where I just started going to church and learning about Jesus and learning about the things that I know now. And I, but it, w- it was like, but then that, that day was like a good day in a way. It was a really good day for me because had I not been, had I not come to Christ, had I not um, been going to church, I probably wouldn't have corrected myself my way. It probably would have just led to a worse and worse situation right so I mean after you left you got up and left you're like whatever I'm leaving and and I was kind of left there holding the bag like man I, I feel like a jerk now you know and that was really convicting to me so I came down to your your pit and I'm like hey Charlie look I just wanted to tell you I'm sorry you know and you're like hey it's okay you know I see that you're struggling there and and you're right we all struggle right
1: yeah i've been you i was you yes you were <laughs> that's no Why?
0: but through that we we like regained a new mutual respect for each other and we created a, a friendship out of that and that was great and uh i've learned a lot about you over the years you i've followed you on facebook i see the great things that you do in your community um, some of the motorcycle runs that you do for charity uh, for vets. Um, do you want to talk about any of those?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, um, we do the uh, uh, Warrior Brotherhood uh, Veterans Ride for uh, Wounded Vets. Uh, we raise money. Uh, Al Al Calderwood is the president of that group out of uh, Arlington. Uh they do that annual run every year. I help out where I can. And, you uh, like when our troops are getting sent over the unit that I was with before I retired, uh, they get sent over to Afghanistan or Iraq or they've been both places after I, you know, retired. And we do fundraisers for a family readiness group, uh, like raise, uh, raise $4,000, uh, last time when they went to Iraq. Nice. Um, and it's for the families that are struggling who need, like, if a washer or a dryer or something breaks down or they need firewood, it's just money for the families who are struggling, you know, on a soldier's wages that, uh, uh, that we can help. And, and it's, if it's something I can do, man, I'll do it. And, and it's a blessing a to have
0: people out there that are willing to do that because who else is going to do it, you know, who...
1: I know, it's it's like, well, people don't think of it, but there's a lot of people that's, you know, and what got me into that was um, there were people that's like, gosh, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. And I'm um, like, I'll be the focal point for that. You know, and I'm uh, a, a trusted person, human being, and, you know, if I put something together, people are behind it, and they know that every dime of what they put in is going to go to the troops and what it's for and because and, i get it man i've been right where those guys are at you know overseas and every little bit is appreciated man. i mean it, it and it makes you it, it makes you feel good that there's actually people who care that you're over here doing what you're doing for, for the country
0: i feel like on the american side it's of true. things there's A total lack of that appreciation going on now because people don't really understand what it's like to suffer.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, man, there's there's I'm going to have to disagree with you on that part of it. It's not most. It's not most Americans. It's some. Yeah. That's all we're seeing is what the media puts out in front of us. You're right. There's a lot of Americans who are like right up, right along with you know what we think and what we believe and are supportive of oh, that, it's just what the media but, is pushing. In the yeah, and is... That, and that's a whole nother mm-hmm. podcast for another time. But <laughs> it's yeah, a, I mean, it's just that's called stupid. a rabbit
0: hole, Charlie. We don't want to I know. It it's
1: like holes. I'm you know, we never even thought once, uh, well, geez, we're fighting for these guys or that group or this yeah. religion, or no, we're fighting for America because we don't want. We do not want what those guys want to bring here to America on our oh. land. You don't want our people, Americans, to endure the craziness that they want to bring over here and trust me, they they Yeah, I don't want, want to bring wake some up crazy in the crazy stuff here
0: and have to worry about driving over IED on my way to the work.
1: Well, yeah. or you know, we knocked down a compound one night and got all the computers and stuff, they were going to this cell that we knocked over, they're going to get uh, gasoline trucks, propane trucks. They're going to come over here, hijack them, and run them into, like, like people lined up for football games and uh, New Year's Eve and Times Square and parades and all this stuff. And we knocked those guys I mean, this is just one cell. And we I was going to say, that's only out. one cell, yeah. Yeah, and if people don't have any idea what it, what Evil is outside this place that wants to come in here and just absolutely destroy everything we have. They don't get it. That's scary. They say we're Islamophobe, blah, 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 this or that. Uh The base that I was on was on the Pakistan border over there. And when you walk outside that gate, everyone wants to cut your head off on the Internet. People don't get it. It's real. It's evil.
0: I remember back when this all started and there was the videos on that you'd see on uh those gory things of, of oh contractors yeah that was back and, in 03 the contractors uh, the getting contractors their getting their head cut off and that you know the thing that watching one of those videos
1: changed me forever uh, i didn't watch well i didn't want to put that in my head oh
0: man i tell you what you, you cannot unsee that and, no that's
1: why i didn't do it
0: yeah and it just it is it was, it was horrifying in the sense that that's real that's really what happens, and that's um, that's the enemy. Uh, who else? That is the enemy. Who else it's... would do that, other than the enemy? You that's know? right. You cannot mistake the enemy when you see something like that. No. And I was yeah. I was pretty much. It took a while
1: for me to get around that. Yeah i I don't ever i. I can't say i don't ever but i try not to let stuff like that in oh yeah
0: the, the older i get the less i can stand of stuff like that i i don't know what it is about that but it i think it's just something inside you that's like you know i you know what i want to fill in my head with good things now i'm tired of thinking like immaturely or or um, stinking thinking yeah stinking thinking you know what i mean and I, yeah. I just i get to a point where like i do carefully select the music that I listen to now because I don't want to hear I do too. words that do not give God glory for one um promote any kind of violence or um bad way of thinking and so it's it's very it's very structured for me now in the sense that I keep things right. focused on God you know I think that yeah. is the key is you put good in you good you get good out Right. Gar- that's garbage fact. in, garbage out, good in, good out.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and, and, and here's one thing, you know, that's, that's real in the world too with along with that you saying that is the closer you get to doing that, the more roadblocks the enemy puts in front of you. Mm-hmm. The more things he tries to distract you with, the more, um, uh, I don't know. Bad thoughts, or right. second guessing, or doubts—he's the master of all that stuff. And the, the closer you get to God, the more He throws in front of you, and you got to be able to navigate through that. Well, because He's a weak to call a friend.
0: He's you, trying to fill those empty parts of your brain that aren't occupied by God.
1: You know, right? There's and,
0: a, there's those little voids that the devil sneaks into. And he's, he hides away in there until your your synapses comes across it. And what do you know? Next thing you know, you're thinking something evil. I think that Hello. programming your brain into always focusing on, or even, uh, I call it like kind of putting on the blinders until you're ready to take the blinders off and kind of training yourself to to pray regularly to uh keep your mind occupied on things um not of of sinful nature um and to have activities planned that keep your brain healthy right the more you the more i've always felt like the healthier you keep your body the healthier your brain will be the less it has time to wander into the evil things right like people take up hobbies like mechanics um Working on uh, on vehicles, um, uh, there's the, the list goes on. Hunting, you know, fishing, things like that. Whenever you have idle time, find something to do with it. Don't let it linger. Don't linger in that moment. Get out of that moment as soon as you can.
1: Yeah, I agree. Totally do. It's a real thing.
0: It is a real thing, and I think that dwelling in those things is is the most unhealthiest thing that we have in the the problem i think a big problem with the world now is it's promoted you know to stay home watch TV um don't do too much with your life you know uh
1: because it seems like it's, that it's more convenient so it's far cry from when we were growing up that's oh for sure. yeah no
0: kidding man i was I was out digging tunnels in the dirt and running my hot my hot wheels through them you know I didn't, right i was eating my buggers, you know ew yeah yeah no you kidding me covid ain't got nothing on me
1: i know it's, it gets inside of you and it dies <laughs> we can only hope
0: <laughs> oh man uh charlie man i really yeah. appreciate this time that you've spent with me and i want to go it go ahead
1: yeah you know and like, like folks back on when we met, uh-huh. you're real wide about it. But I was sitting there and listening to you when I was sitting there. And I stopped talking. I just let you get it out. And I said, okay, you know, duly noted. And then I started in again. And then you just lit me up again. And I was looking at you going, and the part of me that's the, the warrior guy and the, and the old way of thinking, uh-huh. the, you know, being a, you know, I could have been a real jerk. I could have jumped up, oh, yeah. got it right in your face. And,
0: oh, man. You man. Know, I, I was talking like a girl sergeant, a stick, but
1: right I now. just kind of was looking at you. I was like, going, you know what? He's having a bad day, and I'm starting to feel like I'm going to have a bad day, so I'm just going to get up and walk away. Yeah, and I think the impact man. of that was way bigger than uh, me lighting you up like you were lighting me up. And And I think it's going to be funny, but it was like God was just saying, you know what? He's a good good guy. Just get up and walk away this time. Yeah, we don't know what it's going to turn into, but just I'm telling you to get up and go. And I'm like, Roger, got it moving. So I got up and I walked away. And I I tell you, I was shocked when you walked down, you know, at the end of the day Uh to the pit and walked up to me and, and apologized to me. And I was like. I said, hey, man, no big deal. I said, everybody has a bad day. But I, that, that action that you did meant so much to me. I was like, man, this guy, he wants to, he's frustrated, but he wants to go down the right path. And I saw that. And yeah. so I just wanted to know that I saw that in you. And, and I, I knew that it was going to be good to invest a friendship with you. And that, you know, we don't know why, but it was God's timing. And I'm, I'm just thankful that that happened.
0: Me too, buddy. Me too. Because it
1: was, it could have been an ugly thing. Because if that was like when I first got back from Afghanistan, like when I, like the first couple weeks, <laughs> it would have been not good at all for anybody.
0: I think I just mentioned something about that when I, I, in retrospect, I was like, you know, <laughs> I probably just poked a bear with the shortest stick in the woods, and things could have gotten really bad, you know. Um, but I'm very I'm very grateful for your yeah, me ability too, and I take the God bigger for person, it. you know?
1: You're a good man. You're such a good guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: if I was any better, I'd be you, Charlie.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Well, You're awesome. Thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Hey,
0: man, uh, enjoy your time down there in Sturgis, man. Be safe yeah. and have a good time. Is your wife with you down there? No, huh? Okay. Well, pray for her. Pray for her safety. And Absolutely. Uh, Buddy, you just keep on keeping on, man. It was so good to have All right. you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, you
1: bet. Yeah, anytime. I'm uh, always available for this. This is good. Awesome. Man. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, honored to be the first guy you interviewed.
0: Hey, man, it was, I, I am elated. Like I said earlier, I am elated. I finally got an interview, so I'm feeling really good right now.
1: Right on. You should be. You're doing good work, my friend.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Charlie. You have a good night, sir.
1: All right, love you, brother. You take care.
0: Love you too. Bye.
1: All right, out of here.